Good morning. How are we today? All right, it's a good-looking group of people out here. You know, if it took every person who fell asleep in church on any given Sunday and laid them end to end, they'd be more comfortable. <laughs> and so if you feel the need, go right ahead. We'll, uh, we'll allow that to happen if, if that needs to happen. It's just great to be here with you all. I'll tell you what, only God knows where you are. <laughs> Did you know that? We drove through a lot of hills and hollers to get here, and, and that's all right. And it is just good to be here uh, this morning with you all. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew. And while you're doing that, real quick, uh, back here uh, in the back of your church here, on this table back here, I brought some brochures. We would love for, uh, for you to grab one of those. And we tell everybody, as you, as you look through at the, the different things that we do, if you would pray for us uh, in those areas. And if you'd like to receive our newsletter, any of that kind of stuff, either snail mail or email, uh, there's, a, there's a binder back there you can fill out. Please print, and we'll get you on that list. And then everywhere I go, I always take this glass jar, because that glass jar represents different things at different times of the year. And, and just know if the Lord lays on your heart to throw something in there, uh, there's no pressure. But if he does, just know that that's going to our efforts uh, now in eastern Kentucky, uh, where the floods have just wreaked havoc. On, uh, on a lot of families in that area. This is the first time in the history of Helping His Hands that we are actually responding to do two different styles of disasters in the exact same state at the ends of the state, if that makes sense. So we're still working in western Kentucky with the tornado rebuilds, and now we're in eastern Kentucky with flood relief. And... Um, and so pray for our volunteers, if you would, and just pray that God just keeps uh, raising up the, uh, the funding and the people that we need to do what we're doing to love on those folks in Jesus' name. Now, I told uh, Pastor Tyler when we were talking about this morning about what I was going to share during this time, and then later on, I hope that you're able to stay for a few minutes uh, for me to be able to share more of what we do uh, with Helping His Hands. I don't like using this time to be a commercial, if that makes sense. Because I believe this is a very sacred time as we open up the Word of God and look at, look at it and see how we can apply it to our lives. But let me give you what I call our elevator spiel, which is less than 40 seconds. Are you ready? Helping His Hands Disaster Response. Responds to hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires, and floods. Doing cleanup, recovery, and rebuild. Using volunteers and donations so that everything that we do for families and communities is absolutely free in Jesus' name. That's what we do. Can we do a little preaching this morning? All right, very good, very good. Well, I'll just kind of lay the things out before we jump in this morning. Here's kind of how we're going to do it. We're going to look at a few verses in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to use that as what I call our springboard text for where I want to go. Now, I'm going to reference a story in the Old Testament two stories in the New Testament, and ask you four major questions this morning. Now, there may be a few other questions in the midst of all that, but just so you know, four major questions will be asked this morning, and basically, they're questions that you'll have to answer. Now, I didn't say you have to answer them verbally, audibly, but I hope that you will answer them truthfully in your heart as we look at different things this morning. Let's pray. And we'll jump in. Father, thank you for waking us up today. 
Lord, we're grateful for the gift because, Father, we know that you didn't have to, but you chose to. And for that, Lord, we are very thankful and blessed. Father, I pray the songs that we have sung this morning, the attitude of our heart, I pray, have, have been a blessing to you. I pray we've brought a smile upon your face. But Lord, right now, as we take the next several minutes to look at your word, Father, I pray that, that you would open your word up to us. And as always, Lord, I invite you to be the editor of this message that you would take away and you would add to. But Lord, I also pray that if there is someone here this morning, maybe because of situations this past week or this past month, or maybe something that they've, they've been dealing with for quite some time, need to hear a little bit different message. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would fine-tune my words as they enter their ear and penetrate their heart. Uh, Lord, have your way in this place just like it was heaven. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So most of us, probably everyone in this building this morning knows that Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is presenting a powerful sermon, not just to his disciples, but to the multitudes that were there listening in. And what I want to look at this morning is just the first few verses of Matthew chapter 6 in the midst of this sermon that Jesus is teaching. Be reading out of the NIV translation. It says this, Jesus says, be careful. Not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when... Did you catch that? It didn't say if. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when, did you see that? <laughs> There's that word again. So when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, there is our springboard text for this morning. Now, I'm going to tell you really quick, just so you know this, we're not going to talk about money. Go ahead, it's okay. <laughs> we're not. And the reason we're not going to talk about money is because it's too easy to write and throw a check at something. Are you hearing me? Is this thing on? The reason I like this text is because the whole attitude and the, and the motivation and the mindset behind not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That, that we're not doing what we're doing for a pat on the back or for recognition from somebody. I love this whole idea of this text. For another reason, because of that one word that was referenced twice in the four verses that we just read. The word when, not the word if. Because I think sometimes as a Christian, we, we think that what God wants done is for somebody else to do it. And that's just not the case. So as I said, in the, said a few minutes ago, we're going to reference an Old Testament story and two in the New Testament. 
Now, the first one I want to look at is found in Exodus chapter 3. Now, you can turn there, but we're not going to be there uh, very long. But in Exodus chapter 3, here's kind of setting the stage. You probably know, know the story. You're very familiar with it. It is that, that basically the children of Israel are in bondage, and God has heard their cries. And because he has heard their cries, he is going to do something. And we know the, the, the story of the encountering of the burning bush that Moses is there, and he sees this bush being burned and being, being um, it's on fire but not consumed. It's not burning up. And we know that he walks there. We know that famous verse, that famous uh, quote from God himself saying, Take off thy sandals. For where you stand is holy ground. We know all that. And, but what we need to understand is in Exodus chapter 3, there is a, a comment that is made there. That is in verse 10 of Exodus 3. And what it simply says there, it says that God says to Moses, So go now, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And then there becomes this dialogue between God and Moses, and it goes something like this. God tells Moses all the reasons why he's going to go. And Moses tells God all the reasons why he's not going to go. He'd be a pretty good American, wouldn't he? And so this just keeps on going on through chapter 3. And then as we roll in to chapter 4 of Exodus, in verse 2 it simply says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, What is that in your hand? And Moses replied, Staff. In the Gospel of John chapter 5 and chapter 6, uh, we have Jesus, he's performing miracles, he's doing some teaching, he's He's doing all kinds of stuff there. And as we roll into chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, uh, we find that it's getting late in the day. Now, the other Gospel writers uh, make reference to this same story, this same miracle, if you will, that's getting ready to, to take place. But what's going on here is because it's so late in the day and there are so many people there, the disciples are wanting Jesus to dismiss everybody. He's one, they're wanting Jesus to get them out of here because people are getting hungry. They're kind of getting restless. And in fact, Jesus tells the disciples, you're going to take care of this. You're going, to, you're going to feed them. So the disciples are trying to figure out how in the world are we going to feed all these people? In fact, one of the disciples makes a comment and says, not even six months wages would take care of all. Uh, would give him, even give them a bite of food. So they're trying to figure out what to do. And tucked away in verse 9 of the Gospel of John, chapter 6, it simply says this, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, there's an interesting thing going on. And what it is, is that Luke lets us know that Jesus is watching something that's taken place. Now, I noticed this morning that at your offering time, a box came up. Now, that's interesting. I got a question for you. This is not really a part of the sermon, but I'm just asking you. Did you used to pass the plates? Okay, very good. So, so what's going on in Luke 21 is Jesus is watching the offering being taken up. Now, think about that for a minute. If you could go back to, to when you were passing the plates, could you imagine as the plates being passed, and as you look up to take the plate, it's Jesus handing you the plate. Would you write another check? 
Ladies, would you dump your purse in? Men, would you just throw your billfold in? Would you, would you ask him, do you take plastic? <laughs> so, so as this is happening, Jesus is watching the offering being taken up. And the custom of that day was those of great wealth, when they would come in to place their offering in the offering box, they would try to make as much noise as they could because they wanted to turn heads. They wanted people to take, did you see what so-and-so just gave? And so Jesus is watching this taking place. But Luke lets us know that as this is happening and Jesus is observing the offering time, there's a widow lady that walks in. And there's no trumpets being sounded. There's no acknowledging who this lady is by anybody in fact, really, she comes in unnoticed except by one. And Jesus watches this widow come in and put her offering in. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Do you see this widow lady? Uh, this widow lady has put in two small copper coins. This widow has given more than all the rest, for this widow has given out of her poverty all she has to live on. Three stories, four main questions. Question one, what's in your hands? Simon says, take a look at your hands. You know, my grandfather used to, used to tell me as a kid, he goes, you can tell a lot about a man by the way he shakes a hand. You know what I'm talking about? A good firm grip, looking in the eyes, not the dead fish thing. You know what I'm talking about? Good firm grip. You can. You, you really can. We had, a, we had a group of high schoolers in this past week to our home office in Vincennes. It's the CEO class. Do you guys have anything like that around here in your school systems? It's a, basically, we have four different high schools in our area and so what this is, this group of students changes every year. And this group of students are students who believe they want to be an entrepreneur or they want to be a person who um, owns or, or oversees a business. So they're, they're kind of, I don't want to say they're the cream of the crop, but, but, but they're, um, they're real smart, okay? And, and, and they've excelled in class, so they're able to be a part of this unique program. And so part of this program is they... They tour businesses, and they come to us because we are a nonprofit, uh, and they want to they want to get our take on things. And so, as they all came in, I greeted them. I shook their hand. I'm looking at them just to see how many. And and we had a good group of them. Only one had a dead fish, and I had him reshake my hand and look at me in the eyes. I just did, cause you you guys, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know what I'm talking about. That says a lot about a man. It just does. But what is in your hands this morning? I mean, think about, think about that for a minute. What is in your hands? Your, your mama and your papa's DNA was exactly the DNA that God wanted to be in you. You think about your gifts, talents, skills, and ability that God has put in your hands. Think about that for a minute. Now, now listen to me. You're not getting ready to go to sleep, are you? Because I'm getting ready to say something. I don't want you to doze off and walk out thinking I said something I didn't say, right? Right? My security guard is in the back and he'll make sure you stay awake. Right? Name it anyway. But listen to me. Listen to me. God made you you. 
And the reason that God made you, you, is because God wanted you to be you and nobody else. There's not another one like you. I don't care if you have an identical twin. God has made you, designed you, just uniquely. And He's placed in you amazing gifts, abilities, talents, skill sets for you. Now, now listen, there's a, there's a different side of that coin. We can flip that coin over because, because what happens is we blame God for things that God didn't do. Because we become a product of our surroundings. Are you hearing me? Case in point, you surround yourself with negative people. What kind of person are you going to be? Talk to me. Yeah, uh, if you surround yourself with people who are stingy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you surround yourself with people who gossip. Mm. But boy, if you flip that coin over, you surround yourself with positive people. Loving people. Giving people. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you catching this? See, because what happens is, God's put in your hand exactly what He wants you to have. He has. And our attitude and actions mold that. So what is in your hands? Question two, how far will it go? How far will it go? Oh, I love this story in John, and I'll tell you why. This is the first recorded Happy Meal right here in the Bible. <laughs> here it is. I mean, this kid's sack lunch. I mean, Andrew, the disciple, brings this kid's sack lunch to Jesus. There's not much there. There's five, five, five loaves of bread. There's a couple fish. There's not much. But Andrew had to have known this ain't much. But if I could just get it to Jesus. See, what happens a lot of times, I think, in our lives is, we look at what's in our hands, and we start thinking, we did this on our own. We, we got the edumacation that we have so we can make, that, make a lot of money and have a big house and drive new cars and have an amazing retirement plan. And then we start thinking that everything we have is all because of me. It's because of me. I mean, because I'm the one that put in the time at school, and I'm the one that worked the extra hours, and I'm the one that got the, you fill in the blank. And what starts happening is we think that everything, everything is because of what we have in our hands, because of us, when in reality, God put that in your hand. And he put that in your hand, not so you could have a big house and drive a new car and have an unbelievable retirement plan, he gave you those gifts, talents, skills, and abilities so you and me could further the kingdom of God. So what is in your hands? And how far will it go? See, it will only go so far on our strength. Do you understand if Andrew would have just started breaking off fish and bread and passing it out, it wouldn't have done much. Are you hearing me? It hadn't been connected yet to the fisherman, the bread maker. So what's in your hands? And how far will it go? I get a cliff note version of my life. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't have that luxury. 
My dad was one of the nastiest people you'd ever meet. You couldn't pay me enough to go relive my childhood. Now, my mom and dad found Jesus later. Oh, I'm so, so grateful for that. But growing up, I'd go to church when I was in grade school with a friend of mine, not because I wanted Jesus, I wanted to be out of the house. You know what I'm talking about? And if you'd asked me who God uses as a kid, I'd have told you the preacher and the song leader and the organist and the piano player and the, and the greeter and the Sunday school teacher. <laughs> oh, and the candy man. Oh, hallelujah. There was a candy man in the church. And I remember the first time I went with my friend to get candy. His mom said, now you go get your piece. Don't be asking for any. We came back. We had handfuls. And she said, I told you not to ask. I said, we didn't. We just stood close. <laughs> That's all we did. And if you'd have asked me what a missionary was, I'd have told you, you know, that, that guy with the machete walk, uh, whacking through the, the parts of the darkest parts of the jungles of Africa to get to that tribe of people who don't speak English. I'd sat through a three-hour slideshow one Sunday just for cookies and Kool-Aid afterwards. Now, some of you have no clue in the world what a slideshow is, but some of you folks know what I'm talking about. Huh? <laughs> click, and there we are again at the side of the river. There are the alligators getting ready to eat me. There, click, oh, look, and he did. No, anyway, so... So, and the reason I tell you all this is because here it is in 2022, and I believe we still got people in our churches who believe that. That God's only going to use the people that we see on Sunday morning. But my question is, what's going on Monday through Saturday? Because do you understand, if you're a Christian, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, there are people that only you're going to reach for the kingdom. But how's he going to do it? what's in your hands and how far will it go question three is are you willing to let Jesus have it see what amazes me is 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 I meet people with my travels all the time that have been blessed with unbelievable gifts talents and skills and abilities and all they're doing with them is using them for their own self What's God put in your hands? I mean, think about it for a minute. Are you, are you good mechanically? Are you good at turning wrenches? Are you good at wiring? Are you good at cooking? Are you good at sewing? Are you good at praying? Are you good at mathematics? We had, we had, a, we had a, a little girl several years ago that came with their church uh, on, on one of our disaster trips, and, and I don't know, she was... I don't know, 8, 9, 10, 11. She's in that area of, of age. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. But, but we were talking about different things, and I just asked her one day. She says, you know, we were talking about, you know, it's just hard sometimes to start conversations about Jesus. You know, you know I don't know the Bible that well. And, I, you know, people ask me questions, and I don't know the answers. And, you know, and she goes, I just start getting nervous and everything. And I said to her, I said, well, tell me, what's your favorite part of school? And she said, recess. I said, well, other than recess, lunch, uh, other than lunch, let's get, I said, is there any, any subject that you really, she goes, oh, I love math. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, is there anybody in your class that's not very good at math? She says, well, there's a couple students. I said, okay. I said, do they go to church? She goes, I don't know. I said, do they know Jesus? I don't know. I said, well, what would happen if, if when you got back into school, when, you, when you're starting to, to roll through that and everything, that you offered to help those two students with their math. What do you think would happen? 
She goes, I don't know. I said, well, I bet you, I bet you if you went up and offered to help them with their math, there may be a question brought back your way from them, something like this. Why are you doing that? I said, they just opened the door for you. Because you can honestly tell them, I, I, I did it because I wanted to. I did it because I think Jesus wants me to help you. Fast forward a few years after that, this church came back on a trip with us, and that girl was on that trip, and she told me that she did it. And then in October, their youth group had a harvest party, and she invited those kids to her youth group, and then they started attending on Sundays, and the family started attending, and next thing you know, she says, that spring, she says, we baptized a mom and dad. Oh, because of mathematics! is what was in her hand. See, I think sometimes we, we look at that kind of stuff and we think to ourselves, you know, we've got to have these big things. My grandma Shipman, she was a rather large lady. And her things that she did was she cooked and she prayed. She didn't go anywhere except church. I mean, she didn't go to weddings. She didn't go to funerals. I mean, she didn't show up to her own funeral. But, but you know, she'd go to church. You, some of you will get that in a minute. Anyway... <laughs> What did he... No, anyway, you know, but, but her day would start at 4 a.m. every morning. She would get up, she'd pray for two hours, then go eat breakfast, then come back and pray some more. And we had this saying that if Grandma Shipman was praying for you to do something, <laughs> oh, just give up. <laughs> just give up, because she prayed and she cooked, and she was an amazing cook. And I remember sitting at her little table in her kitchen. Uh, I was about eight years old, eating a cookie and drinking sweet tea, because unsweets of the devil. But I'm sitting there, and, and I'm eating this cookie, and I told my grandma, I said, I want to be a cop. I want to be a police officer when I grow up. Now, I want to pause there for a moment, and I want to tell you all something. That when my mom was pregnant with me, this is before machines could tell you what the kid was going to be. My grandma Shipman told my mom, who was not living for Jesus, you're going to have a boy. And he's going to be a preacher. And that's why I'm praying. Well, they never told me that. And so at eight years old, when I told my grandma I wanted to be a police officer, she patted me on the head and said, that's nice, Scotty, you're going to be a preacher. But I got to believe that maybe she threw something up once in a while about it because in 2012 I was approached about being the chaplain for the VUPD. And uh, you know, people are pretty open to hear about Jesus in the back of a squad car and handcuffs, you know what I'm saying? So I get to do a little bit of that. But my son, my youngest, is a police officer, so, so he's, he's doing, doing it. But here's what I'm telling you. There'd be those who would look at my grandma and think there wasn't much to that woman. She cooked and gave food away to everybody, but the prayer life that she had, that, that was one of the things that was in her hand. What's in your hands, and how far will it go, and are you willing to let Jesus have it? Do, do you all understand? Now, I just met your preacher. I just met him this morning. We talked on the phone just for a little bit the other day. I know nothing about him. But can I tell you something that I do know about him? There is no way on God's green earth that he is going to turn this community completely upside down for Jesus without your help. Hello? Is this thing on? He needs your help. The kingdom needs to be furthered by his people.
And how are we going to do it? You know what's funny? My wife works at the post office. It's just outside the, the, the corridors of hell. But anyway, um, it's close. I'm just saying. She works with all kinds of non-Christian people. That's what I'm going to say nicely. And we were talking a while back just about, she, sometimes she says, I just feel like I'm being smothered. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, there's me and maybe one other lady and the rest, you know. And I kept telling her, I said, listen, I said, you know what? When they, and, and I don't know about you all. Isn't it crazy some of the things? I mean, 20 years ago, I'd never dreamed that we'd be debating some of the things we're debating in our country. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, come on, seriously? Is, is this being recorded? Hey, I'm leaving today. don't matter. But I'm going to tell you right now. You born a boy, you're a boy. You born a girl, you're a girl. I don't, I, I. There are people in your community who just needs to know about Jesus. And no one's taking the time to share it. Because we're just too busy. I'm very thankful for two, two, two older people. A little old lady with a crinkly little finger who would make Kool-Aid and cookies. And, and every Sunday in her little Sunday school class, she would go around the classroom table and she'd call us by name. And she'd tell us, she'd say, Scotty, God loves you. And Jesus died for you. And he wants you to live for him. And she'd move on to the next child. Every Sunday. Cookies and Kool-Aid. And the love of Jesus flowed. Little old man with a wood shop in his backyard. He, his kids were older and he loved to, to, to build things. And for some reason he... He took a liking to me, and on, on the weekends, I would go, and, and he's the one that taught me how to use a measuring tape and use a saw and stuff. And I was there just soaking it all in, having no idea in the world that all he was doing was taking what was in his hands and using them to pour in me. And Jesus always would come about. You know, Scotty, Jesus was a carpenter. So what is in your hands and how far will it go and, and are you willing, are you really willing to let Jesus have it? You know, if we could bring the widow story up to today, it might, it might go a little differently today. It's offering time and, and as the plate's getting ready to be passed, there'll be those who'd be sitting by this widow. They know her situation. They know her fixed income. They know what she's going through. And all of a sudden somebody leans up to her and says, you don't need to put anything in. There's others that can give more. God understands. He knows your heart. Just keep it. Do you understand it's not the amount of the gift, but the motivation behind the giving? See, what happens a lot of times is we'll look at what's in our hands, and we'll start looking at what is in everybody else's hands, and then we start having some dialogue with God. You know God. If you'd have given me her gift, I could do more. 
You know, God, if you'd have given me his talent. You, you know, God, if you'd have let me be raised in that family, I could do more. But do you understand that God has positioned you exactly where he wants you? That God doesn't waste a hurt or a, sick, a situation or a circumstance that you've been through? That everything that, that we go through, everything that we deal with, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to be drawn closer to the Lord or we're going to move farther away, but hopefully you're moving closer to the Lord and allowing God to take that and use that for His glory. There just may be people in your neighborhood that, that needs to know what you're dealing with. And, they, and, and sometimes we deal with things because God's teaching us something. Hey, guess what, brother and sister? Sometimes God allows us to go through things because he's teaching somebody else who's watching us as a Christian go through it to see how to get through it. Think about what is in your hands and how, and how you can use that. You know, I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible tells me older women teach younger women. Older men teach younger men. I just heard an announcement up here about, about snacks. You know what? Ladies or men, whoever loves to cook, you know what I think would be kind of cool? And guess what? She didn't ask me to say this. I'm saying she's surprised just as much as you. <laughs> but how cool would it be to take some of the younger ladies and maybe some of the younger boys who have an interest in cooking and say, you want to come over and let's, let's together, let me show you how to, to bake. And we'll take those to church. Men, you know what? You, you know, you know we, some people don't have the money to go down to the Jiffy Lube or whatever it is in your, in your area to get the oil changed. Some still change their oil themselves, you know. I bet there may be some younger men who would love to know how to change oil in a vehicle, how to turn some wrenches. You, you think about what's in your hands and thinking about how you can use that. I just heard a sister talking about, about how she uses her faith and everything at where she works at the hospital. I was thinking the entire time, I sure wish you were in my neck of the woods. I know nothing about Excel. <laughs> I know enough about computers to be dangerous. <laughs> For real. I start walking in the room where the computer is, it wants me to stay away. But that's what's in your hands. See, see sometimes we, we think too much. And we start looking at what everyone else is doing, and we start thinking, well, there's no way God's going to use this. But, but if God's wired you that way, he's wired you that way to use, that, to use it as a way to meet a need in somebody's life. I coined this phrase probably 30-some years ago uh, in, in just dealing with college students, and I really amped it up when I kept telling students because they'd talk, talking about well, you, I don't know the Bible that well, and I don't know how to start a conversation. And I would say, listen, look and see how you can meet a need in that person's life. And as you meet the need, plant the seed. And God will do the rest. You know, I, when, when I was done with Bible college, I had an 80-year-old preacher give me the best piece of information I ever had. I didn't pay him a dime for this. <laughs> he goes, Scott, the day you realize you weren't put here to save anybody is the day God will use you. Because saving is not your job. That's God's job. Your job is plant seeds. Wow, that changed. That changed my outlook really quick. Because you know what? I can plant some seeds. <laughs> Sometimes when we have to replant them. But God brings the growth. So what's in your hands? And how far will it go? 
And are you willing to let Jesus have? I told you I, got, I had four questions. I got one more. Are you doing okay? We're almost done. <laughs> All right, yeah. I kind of like this up here with no air conditioning. Because I was thinking to myself, I could be preaching on hell, and this would be perfect. <laughs> I'm joking. I like it. I like it. This, listen, we had four weeks over 100 degrees down in Kentucky this summer. Four weeks. Whew. This is winter. Hallelujah. <laughs> Last question. Here we go. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. What's in God's hands? See, it's interesting. I think the Bible tells us that God has inscribed us on the palm of his hands. He knows you by name. And if you ask me, what's in God's hands? I would simply say me. I don't want to be propped up in a corner. I don't want to be stuck on a shelf or stuck in the back of a closet. I want to be right here in the hand of the Almighty being useful. How about you? I want to be right here till the day this body here stops sucking wind. I want to be able to stand before God Almighty and say everything you gave me, I used up for your kingdom. You know, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box. School was never easy for me. Reading was never easy for me. I, I, and I'm, I, I don't bother me one bit when I'm getting ready to say. People have told me before, they said, Scott, you probably shouldn't tell people that. They might look down on you. And I go, I don't really care. I have a, I have a third grade edition Bible I have at home. That when I'm reading and studying, if I come across things that so I'm trying to prepare things that just not clicking right, I'll pull that out and read it. I don't care. Because you know what? It's not about what you think about me. It's about what God thinks about me. And I'm running the race to him. And if it helps me grow a little bit more, then by all means, I'm going to do it. So if you're asked this morning, what's in God's hands, how would you answer? Well, I really hope you can say you are. I really hope that you have surrendered your life to the Almighty. I hope that you understand the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life is for King Jesus and nobody else. I'm asked all the time, how do you know that Jesus is the only way? How do you know that? I mean, you got so many gods, quote, unquote, gods of the world and, and different kinds of religions. How, how do you know that Jesus is the only way? And I simply say, oh, oh, that's easy. That's easy. He is the only one that came after me. The only one. Nobody else did, but King Jesus did. He took that cross. He took my place. He took your place. And you know what he wants you and I to do? Just live for him. Live for him and share with those who don't know him. And how are you going to do it? Oh, brothers and sisters, it's easy. What's in your hands? Because God has placed that there so you have 
the means of meeting a need in somebody's life and planting the seeds of Jesus' love and grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. Lord, we're grateful that you saw something in us that nobody else saw. And as our enemy made accusations against us, you didn't hear a word because you looked at us with love and you took our place. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, I thank you for this church here, this body of believers. Lord, I pray a blessing on this church as they, as they work in this community. Lord, I pray a blessing on each family here, Lord. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would churn in each person here this morning. That it would cause them to step back and rethink if they've not been living right for you on how they should be. Lord, I pray you'd spark something in their heart and their mind about the gifts and talents and skills and abilities that you have placed in their, in their, in their hands. And you would, you would show them those opportunities. You would open those doors of, of, of moments where they could walk through and help somebody and love on them with your love and grace. Lord, I pray that if there is someone here uh, in this facility or even online watching, Lord, that has never surrendered their life to you, oh, Holy Spirit, would you, would you bring conviction? Would you churn in them the desire to reach out and to talk to someone about making that decision that will alter their life for eternity? Lord, we're grateful that you woke us up today. We know you didn't have to. But Lord, because you deliberately woke us up, Lord, I pray you'd give us the strength to intentionally live this day for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go be Jesus to someone today. God bless you.